Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride here. It's Friday and free agency is still running wild and we've got our news and mailbag pod to get to. But first, if you'd like to have your questions answered on a future episode, either tweet them at me at mholder95 or email them to sppquestions1 at gmail.com, at mholder95 or sppquestions1 at gmail.com. How about a short intro today and let's just get to the news. All right, first things first here, we've got some more info on some of the Raiders' new contracts, so I figured figured I'd quickly run through those for you guys and at least give you guys a high-level view of how they're structured, starting with Devontae Adams who received $22.75 million at signing and will get $42.9 million more in 2023. So the contract works more like a three-year $67.5 million deal with the opportunity to grow into a five-year $140 million contract with bonuses. Adam's cap hit will be $8.2 million in 2022, $30.4 million in 2023, $21.3 in 2024, and $40 million in both 25 and 26 per pro football talk and spot track. Chandler Jones was the other big contract, and he got $32 million fully guaranteed, while the Raiders also added two void years for cap reliefs, so Jones comes, Jones's deal comes out to be more like a two years and $34 million. He'll carry a cap hit of about $7.4 million in 2022, $19.4 in 23 and 24, and then account for about $4.8 million of dead money in 25. Matt Collins received a one-year $2 million contract that includes $700,000 at signing, a salary of $1.035 million, up to $500,000 in playing time and catches incentives, and a $10,000 per game active roster bonus. Anthony Averett's one-year $4 million contract comes with $3.34 million guaranteed, a $1.39 million signing bonus, a salary of $1.95 fully guaranteed, up to $510,000 in per game bonuses, and $500,000 playing time incentive. Amir Abdullah received a one-year $1.875 million deal with about $150,000 in signing bonus and a $1.035 million salary. On to some signings, and the first one is backup quarterback Garrett Gilbert. You might remember Gilbert from the 2010 BCS National Championship game when he took over for Colt McCoy as Texas's quarterback. Gilbert played for the Longhorns for two more seasons after that and ended up transferring to SMU for his final two seasons of college before coming a sixth-round pick of the then St. Louis Rams, and he bounced around the league ever since then and was even part of the infamous AAF season ever since. He spent some time with the Raiders back in 2015 and 2016, and he's also played under McDaniels with the Patriots a few times, so this will be somewhat familiar territory for Gilbert as he projects to compete for the backup job. Las Vegas also added linebacker Micah Kaiser to the roster. Kaiser is originally from Baltimore and went to college at Virginia where he's a first-team All-American and won the William Campbell Trophy as the best American college football player with the best combination of academics, community service, and on-field performance in 2017. The former Cavalier would then go on to be a fifth-round pick by the Los Angeles Rams in 2018, and he stayed in L.A. until 2021 where he was picked up by the Denver Broncos and played under new Raiders special teams coach Tom McMahon. Kaiser has 98 total tackles, 
three PBUs and one forced fumble in his NFL career and is expected to be a special teams contributor and a reserve linebacker. Defensive tackle Kyle Pecco is also joining the silver and black. Pecco is originally from Southern California, La Habra to be exact, and is the younger cousin of Domata Pecco, who had a long career in the NFL. Kyle played his college ball at Cerritos College in Oregon State, but he only got to play one year as a Beaver after transferring, but he was able to earn Pac-12 honorable mention honors in that loan campaign. Pecco would go on to sign as an undrafted free agent with the Denver Broncos, then spend some time in Buffalo with the Bills before returning to the Broncos and playing his last, this last season for the Tennessee Titans. At 6'1 and 305 pounds, he has some beef to the Raiders' defensive line and will likely be competing for a roster spot. Speaking of defensive tackles, the Raiders also signed Vernon Butler to a one-year, $1.25 million contract with $450,000 guaranteed. Originally from North Pike, Mississippi, Butler ended up going to Louisiana Tech for college, where he would go on to become a first-team All-Conference USA selection as a senior. That helped him become the Carolina Panthers' first-round pick, 30th overall, back in 2016, and he spent four seasons down in Carolina before heading to Buffalo for the last two. Butler has 106 total tackles in his career with 8 sacks and 15 TFLs, and he should add some depth to the Raiders' defensive line with a chance to crack the starting lineup. Another former Patriot is headed to the desert with the Raiders signing tight end Jacob Hollister to a one-year, about $1.2 million contract this week. Hollister is from Bend, Oregon, shout out Mountain View High School, and started his college career as a quarterback at the University of Nevada, Reno, before transferring to Arizona Western College and switching to tight end. He eventually made his way to Wyoming and had over 1,000 career receiving yards with 12 TDs and was an all-conference selection as a senior. Hollister went undrafted in 2017 but signed with New England and played there for two seasons before playing in Seattle for two more, then a brief stint with the Bills and playing last season with the Jaguars. He has 83 catches for 707 yards and 7 touchdowns during his NFL career and should enter training camp in a position battle with Nick Bowers for the third tight end spot. How about one more former Patriot? The Raiders are bringing in some safety help in the form of 9-year veteran Deron Harmon. Harmon is originally from Magnolia, Delaware and went to Rutgers for college where he was a first team All-Big East selection as a senior. The former Scarlet Knight was the Patriots third round pick in the 2013 draft and he spent 7 seasons in New England before playing in Detroit and Atlanta these last two. Harmon has 300 career tackles, 21 interceptions, 38 PBUs during his career and is a versatile player who can line up at either free or strong safety and should at the very least add some depth to the position group, if not start. He has started over 32 games, or excuse me, he has started 32 games over the past two seasons. The Raiders also kept a couple of offensive linemen in-house, re-signing tackle Brandon Parker and tackle slash guard Jermaine Illuminor. Parker received a one-year $3.5 million deal with about $2.75 million guaranteed, while the details of Illuminor's contract have yet to be released. Both guys should have pretty similar roles as last season, with opportunities to start as the offensive line, especially on the right side, is still up in the air. I'd expect them to compete with each other a little bit and whoever the team might draft. I promised you guys last week I'd give you a rundown of the players that are leaving, so I'll go through the Raiders' list of unrestricted free agents and let you know if they signed anywhere. Running back Peyton Barber is still on the open market, so is tight end Derek Carrier. Cornerback Brandon Faison is headed to play for Gus Bradley and the Colts under a one-year $3.84 million contract. Defensive tackle Jonathan Hankins is still available. Corner Casey Hayward signed a two-year $11 million deal with the Atlanta Falcons. Guard Richie Incognito remains a free agent. Same with wide receiver Deshaun Jackson. Defensive tackle Quentin Jefferson is going back to Seattle on a two-year $9.5 million contract. 
Wide receiver Zay Jones got $24 million over three years from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Linebacker Markel, Markel Lee is, he, is headed back to Buffalo for the vet minimum. Quarterback Marcus Mariota gets his chance to start with Atlanta on a two-year $18.75 million deal. Center Nick Martin remains unsigned, as is defensive tackle Gerald McCoy. Linebacker Nicholas Morrow signed a one-year $3 million contract with the Chicago Bears. And linebacker Patrick Owasso is still unsigned. Same with defensive tackle Darius Phylon, running back Jalen Richard, guard Jordan Simmons, defensive tackle Solomon Thomas, cornerback Desmond Trufant, and linebackers Kyle Wilbur and KJ Wright. On a related topic, the Raiders also released linebackers Corey Littleton and Nick Wachowski and defensive end Carl Nassib. And Littleton is the only one who has signed elsewhere as he's headed to Carolina. Before I move on to your questions, I want to sing a different tune and pay my respects to a titan of the industry, John Clayton. For those of you who are unaware, Clayton passed away last weekend at the age of 67 from an unspecified brief illness. He was a fixture in the NFL journalism community and probably most well-known for his time with ESPN and that epic ESPN Slayer commercial that I know you guys know what I'm talking about. Clayton was also a mentor to Silver and Black Pride's Bill Williamson, so in a way, he's had an impact on this site. On behalf of the community, I'd like to send our condolences to the Clayton family and may John rest in peace. All right, guys. Here we go, mailbag time. Reminder to have your questions answered on a future show. Tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. First up, D-line feels weaker this year, but obviously it's a different scheme, so they're looking for different bodies. What are your thoughts? It's kind of an interesting question because I think at end, or the edge, if you will, I think they definitely upgraded a little bit with Chandler Jones over Yannick. As much as I liked Yannick, Chandler is undoubtedly an upgrade. So I think they definitely got better at the end. Obviously, Crosby's still there. Defensive tackle is an interesting one because I definitely think their defensive tackle group is weaker than it was last year. But I also thought the defensive tackle group, or at least the way they played, or at least the way they worked out, maybe I'd be singing a different tune at this time last year. But I felt like the defensive tackles were kind of a weak point on that defense anyway. So I don't know how much of a real quote-unquote loss it is. But it's definitely a weaker group before. Like you said, though, I think the different scheme, I think kind of what we're seeing is they're going to go after those those athletic bodies on the outside. Um, you know, those guys that are a little bit more like the linebacker type, look closer to 250, and can move a little bit more. And then the, the excuse me, the big 300-pound dudes uh, in the middle, that's pretty similar, pretty consistent with uh, what Graham did at, in, uh, in New York with Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence in the middle. And then he had a bunch of guys out on the edge that he would uh, deploy, again, those kind of linebacker, a little bit smaller types. So it's definitely going to be a scheme change. I definitely would like to see them upgrade at the nose. I think we're probably going to roll with Bilal Nichols at, um, at, the, at one of the defensive tackle spots. He's making a good chunk of change. And right now he's kind of, he's probably their, yeah, he's undoubtedly their best defensive tackle on the roster right now from a pass rush standpoint and against the run, combining everything. And then Andrew Billings. I like Andrew Billings as a nose, as a, as a run defender. And I think probably right now he's going to be their starting nose. He just kind of gives you little to nothing as a pass rusher. So I'd like to see them try and upgrade again without having a pick in the first two rounds. It's going to be a little bit tougher, but I definitely don't think, uh, or I definitely think they can do some more work at defensive tackle, but I do like what they have at edge. And I think they do upgrade at that part, at that, uh, that spot. And we get to see a little bit what Malcolm Coons can do too, as, as a, as a third or fourth rusher out on the edge. So I'm excited to see what happens, but definitely, uh, definitely that ta- defensive tackle spot is definitely weaker. Number two, who could realistically slip to pick 86 that the Raiders would jump all over? I like this question because it's it's a little bit of an interesting one, and I think I can get into a little bit of a little bit of a hot take, a little draft hot take here. Because uh, obviously, when we get down further down this board, uh, 
more ambiguity comes in. But I think the first guy was probably going to be Daniel Falele. I think a lot of people or a lot of people in Raider Nation really like Falele. Obviously, he's got the unique size, 6'9 and uh, 380 pounds. And then he actually moves fairly decently for a guy that size. Although I don't know how much uh, NFL people are going to be too hot on him. He has a lot of flaws in his game right now, especially in pass protection that I think could scare some teams away. And I, I do kind of feel like he could fall in that third round if the Raiders were to take him, if they had a second-round pick or when they had a second-round pick. Um, if they had taken him in the second, I would have been a little worrisome. But I think the third round is a perfect uh, spot for him. Obviously, they need a right tackle. He has experience playing right tackle. Can be a pretty damn good run blocker. I think he'd fit into a gap scheme really well, which is what um, McDaniels like to run in New England. Again, who knows what he's going to run over in Las Vegas. But if that's what they want to do, I think Philele would be a great fit for that. Just be a biggest question of if he can hold up and pass pro would be the concern, which kind of is the running theme with the Raiders' right tackles. But, hey, I think that's uh, – that would definitely be the route they kind of go there. I don't know if you're going to find a much better offensive tackle or a starting quality tackle in the third round that late because um, typically those guys are going to go higher with positional value. Guy number two, I'll go with the defensive tackle and Logan Hall. Um, he's a guy that I think's kind of slid down the boards as we've gone down through this process. Didn't look great at the senior bowl. Um, not the biggest guy in the world. I don't think he had a great combine. Nothing, not, not to say that he had a bad one, but just didn't really stand out. And I think he's kind of slid and kind of uh, got lost in the wash in this defensive tackle class. So I could see him fall into the third. My biggest concern is he's kind of the opposite of what I was just talking about with the defensive tackles, where it seems like Patrick Graham is going for those bigger, beefier bodies. He's almost more like an edge size. He's put on a lot of weight and gotten bigger, but I think he's still only about 280. And like we're talking about, you know, Patrick Graham seems to like those guys that are 290, 300 pounds or more. Um, at the defensive tackle so I don't know if he's going to be a great scheme fit especially if that's what Graham's going to want to do if he's going to want to replicate what he had in New York but definitely a name to keep out for and then the next guy I actually haven't watched yet but he is on my list and uh, that's going to be Nick Cross safety out of Maryland kind of talked about this before I think the Raiders with Graham as defensive coordinator he loves his safeties and they don't have well now they do a little now they do with Harmon uh, but before they don't have a young guy that could really go out and cover uh, and one of the reasons why Nick Cross is on my watch list is at the combine, he ran a two uh, four three four forty, but not like these little guys that are just like one hundred sixty five pounds. That was at two hundred eleven pounds. A four three four to two hundred eleven pounds. I'll bet on a guy like that again. Got to watch him, and uh, he's on my list to check out. You know, hopefully that that uh, size speed combo doesn't cause him to shoot up some boards, but definitely a guy that I keep out and. Uh, Keep, uh, keep an eye on as we come in closer on the draft process here. All right, question number three. What does the Adams deal mean for new contracts for Carr, Renfro, and Waller? I think I talked about Renfro a little bit last week, but I'll touch on it briefly again. Uh, it's going to be tough with Renfro just because with Devontae Adams making so much money. Granted, it's a little bit better than what we were looking at last week now that we have the full details of the contract situation. But paying Renfro is going to be tough. I mean, I think Renfro clearly... With the way the market, the wide receiver market uh, ended up this year, clearly Aaron, that $17 million figure that I was talking about per, for four per year. So he's going to come with a high price tag, especially if he has another big year. So it might make it tough to bring him back again. Hopefully they can figure something out and, you know, Ziegler can work some magic with the cap. As we've learned this uh, this past office season, the cap is, is a little bit of a myth. You can mess around with the contracts and figure things out to make it work. So hopefully they can bring him back. Carr, I mean, I feel like this pretty much. I feel like Devontae Adams pretty much secures con uh, Carr's new contract. I don't know if you uh, can include Carr in the big sales pitch to get Adams to come over here and then not extend Carr. Um, 
especially with paying a wide receiver, you know, $30 million or the crazy money that they are paying Devontae Adams as far as the figure for Carr. I think you can pretty much pretty much pen in the $40 million a year for him unless he ends up taking a discount, which, I mean, hard to, hard to imagine this day and age many guys doing that or at least that much. But I believe that's also going to be coming soon. I think Vic Tafer, after the uh, Adams deal was done, I mean, tweeted out that the uh, car contracts are, talks are picking back up again or in the beginning stages. So I feel like we'll probably get Carr first, probably even before Renfro. And as far as Waller goes, I don't know if everybody's ready for this conversation. But I do think we do need to start thinking that maybe Waller does not get a second contract from the Raiders. Now, again, I don't. I want to preface this by saying I don't want this to happen. I hope they can figure it out. But like I was kind of talking about with Renfro, it's going to be really hard to keep Adams, Renfro, and Waller around. Even from a cap standpoint, if they can do it that, that's a lot allocating a lot of resources into your offensive weapons and a lot of money into it. And here's the thing with Waller. He's going to turn 30 in September, and he's coming off a year where he's banged up a lot. Hopefully he can stay healthy this year, and I'll be singing a different tune at this time next year. But that's not exactly a great sign. So as far as a contract extension goes for him or a new deal for him, I think we might have to limit our expectations a little bit with that one. Again, I hope he can stay. I hope they can figure it out. I'm not a cap guy, so I hope they can keep all three of those guys because they've been great for the Raiders and great for the organization and all that good stuff. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, if I, if I had to put the priority list on it, I think it's kind of in order as I said it from the start of the question. Probably be Carr, Renfro, and then Waller. Last question here. Number four, with Brig, with the big money Brandon Parker just got, is he now the starting right tackle and leather with the right guard then? Well, Brandon Parker with a $3.5 million contract, I wouldn't consider big money. It's definitely good money, money that he's making, more money than he's making before. But I don't think that the contract's going to necessarily lock him into the starting spot. Again, I keep talking about it, keep pounding the table for it. I do think they'll still try and draft somebody. Maybe if, like what I was talking about, a Falele falls doesn't mean Filele will have or whoever the rookie might be will have the starting spot locked in I think Brandon Parker at this point is probably going to walk in on training camp or mini camp and all that good stuff as the starting right tackle and probably put uh, Leatherwood at right guard I do think you are on to something there um, you know that being said too three million dollars also isn't enough to to say that Leatherwood is locked in at right guard I don't think I think you can still give him a shot and then you know worst case you have a swing tackle in Brandon Parker but I definitely think you are onto something. Like I said, Brandon Parker is probably going to walk into to, uh, the first practices, training camp, mini camp, all that stuff, as a starting right tackle. Leatherwood at right guard. I get the feeling though they're probably going to stick Leatherwood at right guard again, kind of like I was talking about last week. You got to remember with this regime, they're not the ones that spent the first round pick on them, so they might not be as attached to, attached to oh we got to get the maximized uh, the draft value from that perspective. So I could see them sticking him at guard, and he was better off there. So. We'll see how it all unfolds. Again, I think they draft somebody to at least compete. If they if they walk into the season with starting Brandon Parker at right tackle, I'd be pretty worried because if even if you think about it last year, that's not even what their plan was. They kind of just had to. So be a little worried about that. Be a little shaky. But again, they were able to figure out and be able to get the job done with him out there last year. And I don't think they're done adding people to the position. So I don't think uh, – I'm not going to lock in Brandon Parker as a starting right tackle. But yeah, like I said, he'll uh, – He'll enter training camp at least there. That's all I got for you guys this week, Raider Nation. As always, make sure you're following Silver and Black Pride. And follow me on Twitter, at mholder95. And please rate, review, subscribe, and download wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, guys.